Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, founder and um, creator of Alzheimer Speaks, uh, which is a advocacy-based company which provides multiple platforms to shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort around the world. Uh, we created this platform in order to help families and businesses work better together. And our philosophy is just about raising voice of all. We don't think any of us can do this alone. And the more knowledge we have, the, the faster we're going to be able to push things forward and the easier um, it's going to be on all of us. Try to help remove some of that isolation and stigma that is attached to this disease. And um, we just need to build community. And so it's really been an honor uh, to talk with all of you on this platform as well as our, our blog, our website, the YouTube channel, and, and our dementia chats where I interview people with dementia. Please keep in mind that you, you could be our next guest because, again, we want to hear from everyone around the world on what are their thoughts, um, how would they like to see the world, what are they doing to make some change, and sharing those ideas because that's what sparks the passion for others to step up and step in and move forward. So I want to thank you all for, for supporting us and being part of our platform. Because of you, we have been recognized by Dr. Oz and ShareCare as the number one influencer online, Maria Shriver as an architect of change, and just this year by Oprah Winfrey as a um, health hero. And we didn't do that. You know, we don't, we don't have a budget to advertise. Um, that is all from your likes, your clicks, your shares, saying, this is valued information. So um, all of those recognitions um, we share with all of you because, again, we're in this together. Today, I am really excited to be lucky enough to talk with the CEO of Alzheimer's Disease International, Paula Barbarino, and she is in charge of all aspects of ADI's work, and ADI is just the, the abbreviation, so you'll probably hear us say that, and you'll, you'll read about that in articles and uh, see that on social media, so just know that that's Alzheimer's Disease International. I know a lot of people aren't even aware that they're out here. And they are just doing such fabulous, important work. It's critical for you to know um, more about them. And that's why we're going to have this conversation today. She collaborates with their board and implements all of their financing and campaign strategies. And she represents them also at their international conference, which happens to be in the U.S. this year in Chicago. And she'll be telling us a little bit more about that. Prior to being with ADI, she was the CEO of LIFE. And she was also a previous senior uh, position holder at Cass Business uh, School and Tate the British Library. And so she's got just a, a wonderful back, brings uh, to ADI and brings to the rest of the world through ADI. So, so welcome today. How are you doing? Well, thank you very much. It's not raining in London, which is... Uh different. So we're, having, we're having a great day. Yes, busy, but very good. Well, good, good. Before we get started with our line of questions, I always like to ask everybody if they've been personally touched by family or friends um, with, with any type of dementia. Yes, I had uh, the uh, luck to not have dementia in my family. So the way that it has touched me has been through my neighborhood. I live in London, I've been living in London for the last 25 years, and I am fortunate enough to live in a road where we all help each other and look out for each other. And uh, we uh, are a quite nice community, um, and one of our neighbors uh, developed frontotemporal dementia. Now, we were very good friends, and we knew about this from relatively early on. And um, we, 
throughout this, we, we try to be as uh, understanding of the situation and we had briefings from the family about what would happen, what would be the best thing to do, and we all took turns in trying uh, to offer help if it was needed. Um, but it was interesting when at the end of this I realized that one of our neighbors uh, didn't quite uh, behave that way and um, and that was creating a lot of distress in the family um, because they were trying to uh, change uh, or, or affect the way that the family was dealing with trying and all we thought it was wonderful uh, to deal um, with these um, disease at home in a family environment in an environment that wouldn't require for the person that had developed it uh, to have to move environment which also was very nice um, and and then we could experience at first hand the distress that happens if one person is really quite uh, obstaculating that or ostracizing the other person publicly so uh, by the time i had um, the call from adi to ask me whether I was interested in, in applying for the position, um, my neighbor had died and we had seen all of this playing up over a number of years and, uh, and I was much more aware of, um, of Alzheimer and dementia in general. Of course, many of my friends have got parents that have it and I'm fully aware of the prevalence, but I had not really quite seen the effect on a community and what I didn't realize and what really interested me the first time I looked at the Alzheimer's Disease International website was that what we were trying to do in our little street was a dementia friendly community mm -hmm. and I read the term the first time when I was researching for my interview and I thought oh this is nice this is what we were doing um, but I had no idea and I realized then that there is still quite a lot of need uh, to uh, understand more uh, about Alzheimer and dementia, no doubt, but also to tell people that there are practical solutions uh, that can be implemented. And this is what ADI is about. Is about this is a complicated program, a complicated project, a complicated set of issues, uh, but we are trying to pick up what's simple, what can be done, what can be achieved in, in small little parts and get it done and get on with it. Well, and you guys do such a nice job, too, with your um, your global reports every year. And I, I think it's interesting that, um, you know, when you said you haven't been touched by family, but community, and you were just kind of making this little mini dementia-friendly community. And I, I would imagine that that almost shifts your perception a little bit in terms of the needs when you when you see it happen. Um, right before your eyes and are involved with um, how there can be miscommunications or people not quite understanding what the disease is about or, or the options that are available. Yes, and it's, um, I think, particularly heartbreaking to see it in a country like England, which is my adoptive country. Originally, I'm Italian. Um, and where we do have a, a national action plan to deal with dementia, where mm -hmm. there's been a lot of advance, we have very good charitable organizations that do their best to provide services or nursing services, and where research is very, very advanced. Mm -hmm. So to see it happening at this kind of micro level, you just understand how, how complex it is. The fact is that we, we put out the big numbers. ADI is the organization which is famous for many things, and one of them is the fact that we provide the global numbers of prevalence and incidence, which then every nation will mm -hmm. cut out and go to their government and say, did you know that there are X amount of million people? And, and that will help their advocacy. But the fact is that ADI is also the organization that protects the, the smaller groups and the most vulnerable and understand very deeply that change really only happens at the local level. So it's a very difficult block that you're trying to chip one bit at a time. And it's not by uh, just putting up large reports that we can reach out to the majority. So there is, there is a time to do large uh, and complex um, uh, pieces of work that try and understand the dynamics of 
the uh, dementia world and there are also points of us giving very practical simple advice about little things that each one of us can do and each one of us can do something that's the other thing people think they're powerless but we are not powerless we can all do something well and one of the things i always tell people too is what's good for dementia is good for the rest of the world you know a lot of it is common sense compassion how we just you know want to be treated and um consciously caring about one another. And I think we've really lost that in the world. And so, you know, for me, I've put it in perspective that um, the disease is really here to teach us a lesson to be better people. And because uh, we haven't listened along the way. <laughs> and it's, it's been, uh, it's been amazing. The lessons that I mean, beautiful life lessons that I've learned, not that I would wish the disease on anybody, but um, there are some really beautiful aspects if you choose to look for them, you know, like coming together in your community. And um, that's, a, that's a neat thing, you know, to happen, to, to know that you're there for one another. Now, you guys are, are going to start a global challenge. And um, I use your statistics about, you know, someone um, develops uh, dementia every three seconds somewhere in the world. But t- can you tell us about your every three seconds, what that represents and, and what, your, what your global challenge is going to be about? So um, a few years back, uh, ADI commissioned a, another world uh, Alzheimer report on the global figures. And some of the figures that came out of that report were very shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the cost of the disease in X amount of years, the prevalence of the disease. And we have used those figures to a great advantage in our advocacy which happens with the World Health Organization or with the United Nations or with the OECD and whichever other uh, kind of high level multilateral organism we may find ourselves speaking to. Um, but the, uh, one of the biggest issues for us is that uh, we hadn't quite uh, looked at all of the stats that had come uh, from that report with equal, uh, giving it equal time. And one of the most interesting ones for me as I stepped into ADI was this concept that at every three seconds, somebody in the world develops dementia. So this doesn't mean, you know, is diagnosed with dementia, that they develop dementia. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the number, it's mind-bogglingly huge, it's immense. Uh, so, you know, we've been speaking for two minutes and already two people will have developed it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just incredible. Uh, sorry, for um, <laughs> six seconds and uh-huh. already two people will have developed it. But the, but the great um, issue with every three seconds is that everybody can think about it. So... Um, it's a simple number. You, you can understand the scale of the project and the problem just looking at that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we are an organization that, uh, as I said, thrives on numbers. We, we try and, and put this forward, but we felt that we are not reaching necessarily uh, the people in the streets. And I really believe very fundamentally that we have two jobs. One is certainly to... Um, try and make our best in order to impress on politicians and to impress on governments the urgency of dementia mm-hmm. and the fact that we need to do something now if we want to find ourselves in a position later on to, uh, to, to gain reward. And this is not just in the area of research, this is in the area of care, in the, in the whole of the healthcare system, and we can expand on that later if you wish. Um, but we also need to talk to people in the streets. We need people to understand the scale of the problem in the street. We need to, them to understand that this can happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. And at some point, yes, it may not happen in your family, but it will happen in your community. You will know people that will have to go through this. Um, and if we don't do something about it now, we basically will not be positioned, even if a cure were found, which we're all hoping for, but then there is the issue, if a cure was found, at what level will it be found? Early mm-hmm. stages, mid stages, late stages? The, the, um, the conundrum of Alzheimer's and dementia is so complicated that it doesn't necessarily, 
the right, if we find the cure, that will be a cure for everything. So we do need to speak uh, to people in the street. We do need people to be aware that they can do something about putting pressure on their uh, governments for change to happen. And of course, we do that primarily through our members. So ADI is traditionally an organization of member states. So we have the 90 Alzheimer associations that are uh, members of ADI. They're all the, usually the largest one in their country. Um, and of course, we do that kind of advocacy through the members. But increasingly, because of the internet, because of social media, people are coming to us directly and asking us, what's the answer to this? Uh, what would you say? What would you do? What should we do? And we need to be prepared. And so at every three seconds is our way to go straight to people and say there are things that anyone can say that are really simple to memorize. One of them is that the, the, um, the dementia is, is so common uh, that at every, every three seconds somebody will develop it. Yeah. Well, you know, when I go out and speak, sometimes I'll have an audience stand and a lot of times it may not be um, a dementia specific audience. And I'll, I'll ask them like six questions because a lot of times they don't, they don't put dementia in the same category. If, if it's a, it could be a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a neighbor, and they just think of it as memory loss. But when you get them together and you say, okay, are they having any of these signs? I can have a thousand people. And if I have maybe five or six people left standing at the end who haven't been touched and they look around the room in shock because they, and, and they can be sitting next to, to friends who they didn't know had been touched by this. I mean, it just shows how the conversation needs to be had. And so I love your philosophy of we've got to get this, you know, into the street. Um, and we've got to get people thinking about this, especially when, you know, the, the um, research is showing that people are developing this disease way before the symptoms may show. Um, where it's, it's truly noticeable where, and so, you know, like with my mom, you know, she had it for 30 years and, and people used to say, oh, there's no way she had it. And the doctors would say it was her hormones and she would go, this ain't my girlfriend's hormones. I mean, she, she just knew that it was something different. And so I think I love that getting it, getting it to the people, talking directly to them, um, is so is so powerful in using their language. Now you're going to be premiering a film every three seconds. Can you tell us anything about that, and um, when will that be available, or will that be available to the general public? So we have had this amazing opportunity um, to work with one of the biggest televisions in England to produce a film on um, on what we do. And to me, it has been an incredible surprise when they rang me. I, I was like, are you really interested in the global peace on dementia? Because mm -hmm. it's very difficult. The vast majority of people look at dementia in, in their own environment. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this is something that is affecting them deeply in their home. Mm -hmm. um, but some people really transcend that, like you and look at what's happened to them and say, no, wait a minute, you know, th there is something I can do here about making sure that this will stop. Other people do it selfishly, which is fair enough, because they want to understand if my parents had it, what can I do to stop having it? Mm -hmm. What can I do to prevent my children from having it? Uh, what can I do in general to prepare, etc.? So, but very few people really focus or understand on the global level. The global level is difficult, but the reality is that ADI was funded originally by the four uh, largest Alzheimer's associations that were there 30 years ago, 35 years ago before we existed, which were US, UK, Australia, and Canada. When they realized that really to get change, you have to influence at the global level. And um, effectively setting up a network of 90 countries and then uh, advocating at WHO and the UN for a global action plan for dementia, mm -hmm. which we had approved last year, and which means that everybody now in the world cannot ignore formally at government level that dementia exists. Um, but effectively, in order to do that, we do need 
for people to understand that the global level really matters because mm -hmm. it's at the global level that the big decisions are made, also financial, that will enable a country to do something about it. And so it's very easy for the government to say, oh, you know, we don't have enough money or it's too complex, we don't quite understand the problem. So what, what we do, we make sure that we work as much as possible to frame what the issue is, to provide solutions. We don't just say you have to do this. This is the way that this could be resolved. Um, and But in order, as I was saying earlier, for government really to take change, people need to demand for that change. And the global discourse around dementia needs to be more widely spoken and understood. And so that's why we thought that this program with ATN would give us a unique opportunity to bring to a wider group of people, because of course, that the power of a TV channel we would have never had otherwise, um, and, and explain in much greater depth what's our agenda. So currently we have a teaser out, which is a, uh, I think, eight, nine minute teaser of the program. And that is only an interview between myself and the interviewer. Uh, but that is a prelude to the full program, which will include a lot of the members of ADI, a lot of the centers of excellence for Alzheimer care, for Alzheimer research, uh, a lot of people uh, and people with dementia, which can explain what is the issue from their viewpoint, mm -hmm. a lot of family viewpoint, so the and a lot of industry viewpoint as well and government viewpoint. So the program tries to uh, cover as much as possible the spectrum of the stakeholders as they are perceived by us. Mm -hmm. And for us, a unique opportunity to get something really complicated uh, as the things that we are trying to grapple with ourselves uh, to a much broader audience and hopefully get that broader audience than to do something at the grassroots level that will enable us to put more pressure on national governments for change. Wonderful. How long is the film itself? The film is going to be one hour. Okay. The reason I ask is I, I take around a, a film called uh, His Neighbor Phil, and well, we only show it in community settings. It's a Hollywood film. It shows the ripple effect. And But the power of the talk back and pulling people together in those community settings is been incredible. I mean, it's just been incredible. And I could see something like that being used to get people to have a conversation in their communities and, and sharing their own stories and their own thoughts, if it was accessible, if the... Yes, the, completely you know. accessible. Everybody, as everything the ADI does, mm -hmm. all of our material are free of copyright. We, they, they can be exchanged. And part of the deal with these companies that we can, we can make use of this video um, uh, for the purposes of advocacy. So we, you know, it's difficult. I understand what you say about the power of the video. I think mm -hmm. um, there is nothing that conveys complex things like a human being talking mm -hmm. about those complex things. And I, I really deeply believe that we do need to make what we do more accessible. Because sometimes you read our incredibly wonderful publications, but they are not necessarily accessible by everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and we are changing also the style of some of those publications now for them to be more uh, understood and therefore more widely used. Always mm -hmm. with this idea that if everybody understands what the problem is that together we may be able to get to a solution. ADI is not going to be able to resolve uh, the, the issue alone. You know, we, we mm -hmm. need to work in partnership with everybody and that includes anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, in, talking in the people's language, I know sometimes, well, even like with my mom, I'll use this as an example. We, you know, we had her brain autopsy and stuff and I had to bring it to the doctor and go, okay, <laughs> Speak to me in real words here that I can what understand. Does it mean? You know, in practice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. No, you're so right. And I, um, and you know, the nice thing about ADI is that we have everyone around ADI. We have the, the, the best and most active brains in the scientific community, as well as advocates um, that are advo with, with dementia who are advocating for. A change so we, we have the whole spectrum and I think this is the great thing of having such a broad family as ADI but the challenge here is that we need to without 
without uh, going away from the importance of what we are saying, mm -hmm. we need to say it from a minimum common denominator that we all understand and we're all clear about. And without that, really, it's going to be very difficult for us to make real, real change. And then our job at ADI is, of course, is to take all of that and make sure that it's written in, 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 in proper speak and we are going to advocate further. Yep. Exactly. Uh, we we have been using our videos for the whole year. I um, insisted on us broadcasting the video for the statement we gave at the WHO um, for the Geneva uh, Declaration when all the member states uh, signed up to the Global Action Plan to Dementia. That is available on ADI website, is available on our Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, so people can see what we said. Because we say that on behalf of the whole world, it's important mm -hmm. that people see it. Because if anybody doesn't agree, they can bring me up and say, you know, maybe we should do it differently. We, we are happy, we want to hear what the problems are locally. We put on video our recent intervention at the executive board of WHO, uh, where dementia was not mentioned in the in the formal plan, and we tried to get it restated. You know, it's so important mm -hmm. that at the highest level, people don't forget about dementia. But you were saying something else around um, some of the other non-communicable diseases, and how some of these discourse can be similar. We are working um, a lot with some other of the um, uh, organization in in the non-communicable disease. Um, community to understand whether we can do some joint activity together. Certainly some of the pieces around early um, detection, uh, timely diagnosis, uh, risk reduction as well mm -hmm. uh, are common. So there are things that obviously you seem to be able to do for diabetes or for cancer that seem to be able to be also good for dementia. But even then, I think we have to be more clear. Mm -hmm. um, we have to be more simple in our advice. You know, I've heard a lot of what's good for the heart is good for the brain. And I agree, obviously, if I look at the detail, that, that is it. But I don't know what that means. Um, yeah. You know, it's very vague as a statement. We need to be clearer what is that is really good for these things. So we are going to prepare some material for World Alzheimer's Month uh, this year, which is going to go further into the risk reduction uh, paradigm and, and look at how people can practically do little things mm -hmm. and then even with that as we all know you know we can talk about risk reduction but we can never talk about prevention because there are so many factors that I'm sure we we are still discovering but you may have seen the material we did for World Alzheimer's Month last year we did a small the, the 10 warning signs of dementia and that reminds mm -hmm. me of what you were saying about your conference recently mm -hmm. so the 10 warning signs have been amazing when I when I used it on my linked page LinkedIn page um, my friends some of my friends rang me and say oh I had no idea um, do you think I should go and get myself tested I thought dementia was only about memory loss yeah. uh, or about old age. So people still think it's about old age. So many people still don't understand it's a disease. Yeah. Um, we, we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Well, the other thing, I love the, the 10 warning signs, but um, one of the things that I think that we have to shift to is the warning signs are great, but we have to, I think, dig deeper in terms of what are the reactions to those for both the person diagnosed and those around, you know, the frustration, the anger, the embarrassment, you know, those are the things we, to me that we have to get to, to, yes. to improve quality of life. There are such good examples, aren't they? Because um, uh, so I, I, I can talk about two things that we are doing. One mm -hmm. is, um, uh, of course, what, one of the things that ADI does is that we took good examples from mm -hmm. all over the world, uh, ideally examples that are simple, duplicable, scalable, and don't cost the heart, and then try and promote those as good practice that other people can use. So, for example, in this on this particular issue, um, Scotland has created a action plan where they made a commitment uh, that if people got diagnosis um, then they would have support mm -hmm. so with diagnosis so early diagnosis was recommendable because you could have also the psychological and emotional support that would support you and your family through understanding what, what was going to happen and through um, uh, helping you 
understand what check can you do about it. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that that is a fantastic example. And in a way, you have to say, well, that is the first thing, really, because if, if people don't have that, then what would be the incentive to go and get themselves checked up? Mm-hmm. But of course, uh, one has to remember the ADIC situations all over the world. Your audience will primarily be in the US. And in the US, people have access at least to geriatricians, mm-hmm. uh, psycho professionals. So it could be psychotherapists, it could be psychologists. Uh, generally speaking, uh, a decent network of uh, primary care where people can explain to you what's happening and certainly diagnostic tools where your diagnosis can be confirmed. So at least you know what you have. But if you talk to people in Africa, in a lot of countries of Asia, some countries just don't have any any specialists in geriatrics, any any psycho anything, mm-hmm. and they don't have certainly the diagnostic uh, equipment uh, which would allow diagnosis. So in this level of uncertainty, it's even harder to promote that. And mm-hmm. that in itself feeds the stigma. So when I was in Africa, I was at this conference uh, promoted by our uh, Kenyan organization. Mm-hmm. And we... Um, we're talking about how they started with support groups, family come together, talking about a disease where in Africa people don't talk about it at all. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they think people with dementia are possessed by evil spirits is, is, is really terrible. And whilst I was at the conference, I was approached in my hotel uh, by one of the bellboys whilst we were in the lift together to ask me very quickly in the lift, Mm-hmm. Uh, whether uh, you know dementia was really a disease because his, his grandfather had it and all the family thought it was possessed by evil spirit but can I go to a doctor is that a support group so this is really the level at which uh, sometime we we work you know and, and we do need to understand that we need to provide solutions that work for uh, for everybody so mm-hmm. it can be very difficult. And on the early diagnosis, another thing that we are studying at ADI is uh, we're putting a lot of work in what happened in other diseases, non-communicable diseases, like HIV, for example, like mm-hmm. cancer, and how they made the transition vis-a-vis stigma, but also vis-a-vis uh, positioning uh, dementia as something that is worth uh, understanding more about and worth following up. So obviously, uh, in due course, we will share also the results of that. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's very interesting and fascinating work because it's all about behavior and how people behave in certain circumstances. But those also are shaped by the cultural context in which those behavior um, exist. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. There's so much work on so many levels. The other thing that I, I liked what you had said for the smaller countries was that, you know, you have some strategies that they can put in to kind of do dementia friendly or to kind of get themselves off the ground, even with the discussion, but they're, you know, it's not a black and white. It's people have to work with what they have for resources. And, and actually I, I love that, um, philosophy, because I have seen, as I travel just in the U.S., the creativity that people come up with when there's limits. You know, they don't have the dollars and cents, and they do what they can. Instead of trying to get burnt out doing it all, just accepting, you know, this is these are the people, the time and energy and the resources that we have. Let's do this. It might not look like the next guys, but they're, they're coming up with some really powerful um, engagement pieces. And it's just fun to see. And then that sparks other people to think, oh, well, if they did that, maybe we could try this. And because uh, there is no right or wrong, you know, method. Anyways, in my mind, there's not, you know, it's just, it's all about pushing forward and not worrying so much about the the level of fear of failure, but more of the fear of not trying to make a difference. I think um, I would agree there. There are, of course, rights and wrongs in certain areas like care or research, Mm -hmm. but in the elimination of stigma, there is no right or wrong because Mm -hmm. the stigma is there. So whatever we do, we can only raise awareness. um, and, And we do need to raise awareness. Um, but you were saying something really uh, crucial there, which is, you know, the, the, uh, the, the way that little ideas uh, spawn other ideas and the way that people can really enthuse each 
other mm -hmm. and, and working together to do things better. Um, one, you know, Japan is an interesting place. Japan is where the mentor-friendly community first started. And they started because they had a real problem. They had an aging population and they had a fairly strong community sense. Mm -hmm. um, and so they started with these gathering places and cafes, etc. And then, of course, now this is a, a concept that they shared that an ADI conference is now is, is much better known globally through a number of our association have been taken it on, which is fabulous. But when I went back um, in uh, uh, April, um, I uh, saw a, a small presentation of one of the journalists of the biggest paper in uh, Japan. And this uh, prompted another issue. That, and that is that every person who has been touched by the disease in any way is technically an ambassador for it. And you, everybody can do something. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter the level. So what this guy did, and he was quite isolated. So he progressed this during the progression of his disease. He was quite isolated before he discovered Alzheimer's Japan, which is our member, the Alzheimer's mm -hmm. Association of Japan. Um, but at the beginning, he was very lonely and he didn't really know what was happening. And um, he didn't feel he had any recourse or any support. So when he finally started thinking about what he could do personally, as a journalist of the biggest paper, he came up with a really lovely idea. And that idea was that the paper in Japan is still delivered house by house. So there is a postman with the paper and they deliver it to people. And often in rural community, those people really know the rural community. They really know the people that get the paper. Mm -hmm. And so he came up with this simple thing that if the paper wasn't collected for X amount of hours or days in a row, that person would insist on making sure that the person receiving the paper was okay. Simple, but that way, and he presented it in April and they had it running for, I think, six months or one year, they'd already saved the life of two people. Wow. By simply doing that, because there were elderly people that had been confused, had had fall, various situations, and in two cases, those situations were life-threatening. And just by insisting, um, he had got it done. And, and everybody I meet, recently I was on a panel with the CEO of a bank in, uh, in England, and this guy's family, um, he had dementia in his family, and he started realizing the problem that he's in his family that had been in making use of the banking system. So he could have done other things, but he decided, you know what, no, I want to make my bank dementia friendly properly. Mm -hmm. That really, there will be a human being that will pick up the person and will help them through the process. And this is a bank whose ethos is about having human beings that help you in the bank. So he also fit with the, his, his, the ethos and the, the corporate social responsibility element with bank. So it pleases the shareholders, it works for the community. So there are so many benefits that you can have. It makes sense. And everybody will have the keys to something. So it doesn't have to be complex. In Italy, a lot of people with um, connection to Chamber of Commerce locally, uh, which has the disease in the family, will go and proactively try and get local businesses to display little stickers um, that show dementia friendliness. And originally people were put off by this, but now it's becoming like, oh, I can go there with my elderly relative who mm -hmm. otherwise cannot come shopping with me anymore. And so it takes time, but everybody can do something, even little. Yeah. Well, and it all starts with just having a conversation. You know, we <laughs> have to have a simple conversation in a, in a non-threatening fashion. And, you know, what you're talking about is, is basically our level of community care, what I call our care culture. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's something that we in the world don't talk about you know, how do we care for one another? And I think that that has to come to the forefront. There are, we've gotten so busy with life and we don't realize our, our power of one and how we can impact somebody just by smiling or saying hello. It's not going to, like you said, cost you any money. It's not going to take any more time. It's just, it's just consciously caring about people. And not just being in our own little silo of, you know, I'm so important. I have so much to do. Get out of my way. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's, that's kind of how we function. So I think one of the beautiful things about dementia is it, it forces everyone to slow down and, and pay attention. 
And, uh, and I think that that is an art that we have lost. And I think it's probably one of our biggest keys um, in terms of communicating, you know, reading nonverbals, not just words, and making sure that things are aligned and, um, and so forth. What is your thought of, about care versus cure? We hear a lot of that, that, you know, um, here in the U.S., people are starting to squabble a little bit more that there's not a cure, but we need, we need help for families now. Um, and everybody wants a cure, but they also want monies funneled for care um, and support. Well, um, for ADI, our strapline is um, care for today and cure for tomorrow. Okay. So this is us in a nutshell. Um, so our position is that um, governments need to ensure the care is available mm -hmm. uh, now. Because people are having this now. Families are going through dementia now. The person with dementia are, are having this now. And so we cannot wait. We cannot put it under the carpet and say, ha, ah, you know, in 10 years we'll find the cure. We've got to find a solution now. Now, we acknowledge ADI, this is not easy. And we acknowledge that it's, it's quite expensive. And we have spent quite a lot of time trying to understand where these expenses are uh, coming from and, and how much, first of all, how much it will cost to a government. Mm -hmm. uh, and we are going to publish a new report quite shortly around that very topic. Uh, but also, we are very keen in participating in any debate where that is discussed at governmental level. We recently were part of this very large report on care, on the cost of care, and the way that uh, healthcare systems are prepared and ready for uh, in the in the G20 countries that would include the US um, to cope uh, with uh, dementia cases, and we go into an extraordinary amount of detail in this. Care is complicated because there is care at several levels in the dementia uh, perspective. So you need care at different points. We were talking earlier of the support that you need when you are diagnosed. Uh, and then that support gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And some of the care can be delivered in the house. Some of the care can also be delivered in community centers. I mean, I've seen fantastic centers, community centers for uh, older um, citizens, for example, created in uh, South America, where there is a strong feeling of the fact that senior citizens have uh, a strong claim on human rights legislation and need to be able to look after and determine and create their own opportunity for care, for example. Mm -hmm. um, in those places, you have things like memory cafes, you have, you have very complex uh, arrangement and initiative that really help you also maintain your cognitive abilities until quite uh, later on in, in life. Um, but it is, um, it is difficult, the care. Uh, the care thing is very difficult and um, one of the initiatives we have uh, now we actually were spending the, the weekend doing some of this uh, this weekend we are having a very big project with the London School of Economics where we are looking at the uh, in enormous detail the healthcare system of seven lower and middle income countries on three continents to try and understand in greater depth why uh, the governments are not implementing the care. What would it cost them mm -hmm. to do proper dementia care? And, um, and working with the government during the course of the project for four years to create resilient systems that they can afford, that they can do something about. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are interested in getting in a much uh, closer detail. This report I was telling you about, the one of the G20, which was um, an OECD report which is coming out soon um, it was fascinating for me to see how there is a real issue uh, and I didn't really understand how broad and widespread this was about even coding people for dementia when they um, come into hospital because often the person that has dementia may come into hospital and they have other things happening they may have fallen they may have traumas of some kind. They may have other conditions. Dementia is always the, the last one mm -hmm. on the line. So that just tells you, you know, when people talk about 
uh, dementia, how much we are dealing with the tip of the iceberg. Even when you look at the figures of ADI, they are very thoroughly researched and comprehensive. But of course, we have to rely on data available um, on people that are admitted, for example, with, uh, with dementia. And um, so you do understand how much bigger the issue is. And we can only crack the care thing if we, um, we provide solutions for care. Uh, and there is a lot of very good example, again, um, uh, coming from a number of countries which have taken particular, uh, particular slants on care. But to us, uh, and I'm talking to you about the solution because mentally my brain is already working about, you know, how we're going to frame the solution. But you want to me to tell, you, to tell you that for us it's important, well, for us it's central to everything that we do because we cannot wait, you know, and uh, the care, the financing of care, why should some people have access to care and other people don't have access to care? You know, ADI is a profoundly equanimous organization. We are pragmatic but we are founded on equality. That is also why we care about uh, countries where people are inherently poorer, because mm -hmm. this is a global problem. And some people will be poorer, some people will be richer. Um, and it's easier not to deal with the problem when there is a lot of money around, but that doesn't mean that it goes away. And it doesn't mean that for the person with dementia, um, that is the best way to look after that person. So it, it can be, you know, there are billions of cases, there are 140 different types of dementia, many, many stages, and everybody's different in the way that they want to be perceived. We can never make generalizations. Um, nevertheless, uh, care should be available. It shouldn't be something that only few people can access. Yeah, agree. There's a, a gal down in Florida that has a concept for a new community that she wants to build. Kind of, she's took kind of the dementia village, um, but she changed it. She was a her and her husband were um, builders, and um, her husband passed from the disease. And she says, you know, there's a lot of us that would like to live with our partner through this process. And she's like, we could help one another out because that's what we do and could really reduce care costs and still be enclosed and, and things. And so she's, she's trying to connect with people who might be interested in, in um, you know, financing something like that and having further discussions. And I hear that all the time from people in Memory Cafe. You know, they really, they don't want to put somebody in a community where they're living separate. You know, that's a very important piece for them. And not for everybody, but for a lot of people. And, yeah. so and, and in some countries, they've done very successful experiments where people with dementia live together with their carer in a house. And you will be familiar that there is a whole theory of that and it's been kind of exported to a number of countries. People seem to be super happy and mm -hmm. super independent as well. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, I, um, I live in England and, um, you know, I've seen in the last two or three um, months uh, a couple of examples where I, I have to say the, 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 the having people in, in, in a house, in a home and, and peacefully uh, passing away in their own home has only been possible because uh, the, the government does send carers at home to help the family. Mm -hmm. uh, cope with that and to me seeing that in my country that's not available um, in Italy is not available and you know that makes a humongous difference you know and, and hats off to the British government for providing that kind of service it's not available everywhere though no because in some community that will be harder to provide um, but that really allows you a quality of living in your own home that you would otherwise not be able to have yep and it yeah. must cost less to the state. There is yeah. no doubt about that. Exactly. Now, I want to talk about the conference in Chicago in July, the international conference that's going to be here in the U.S. Can you tell people a little bit about that? Yes. So, uh, Chicago, um, we really, uh, this is my official uh, message to your uh, <laughs> audience. Please come to Chicago. So, the Chicago Conference of ADI is our global conference. Our global conference happens every um, yeah, uh, more or less. And uh, it's a coming together of the scientific community, of the uh, dementia community, so uh, organization of people with dementia, of the family community, 
so caregivers, care partners, the care community, um, industry also come, and uh, government representatives. So we try and bring everybody together under the same roof to discuss in an understandable way uh, what the big issues out there are about dementia and what are, uh, are we going to do about it. It gives ADI a lot of ideas of what should we promote next, what should we do next. It gives our members a lot of ideas about what has worked for country X and how can we export it in country Y. We have an exhibition um, where people can go and see what's happening in the various countries. We also have uh, this year for the first time a stream on innovation, technology and entrepreneurship for dementia. So this is again my official thing. If anybody has a company out there that would like to show their wares and look at whether anyone else in the world is interested um, in what you're doing and if whatever you're doing is possibly low cost and can work uh, anywhere and not just in the US, but also if you can work in the US, because of course most of our audience will be US based and it's always. Um, so the conference happens on the 26th of July, uh, 27 and 28 and 29. And we uh, will be welcoming everybody in Chicago. It will happen back to back with the Alzheimer Association International Conference, which is a scientific conference uh, of the Alzheimer Association with a lot of the medical profession comes here. So um, Chicago is also our home uh, because the Alzheimer Association is one of our founding members. And so for the first time uh, ever, we are going to have the Alzheimer Association and ADI together, and this is going to be the biggest gathering of brains uh, about dementia uh, ever, uh, because the two organizations together have two of the largest conferences globally. But this land of the ADI conference is more on the public, and uh, and is more on the on the people that uh, are uh, recipients of care or they are givers of care and the people that are studying uh, a very large number and array of subjects in this area. Our members uh, will be there, and so uh, everybody will be able to see uh, what is happening across the globe uh, in dementia uh, today, and hopefully be inspired about going back and doing something about it themselves. Great. Well, I'll have to get a hold of two companies that I think would be great there. One is called um, Roberto, and it's an app that actually measures brain function. And it was um, developed by athletes because they were worried about concussions and things. But yes. you just play video games and it, it'll, you know, check the various um, pieces of the brain yes. in what's, what's working. So people can self-monitor. They can share it with a the doctor. Um, they're starting to bring it into schools to have challenges for the kids and introducing it to them earlier. And then also into um, companies are leveraging it for um, just level of team function and getting people to understand that there was like one child whose uh, scores just really dropped and the teacher's like, what's going on with you? And they ended up finding out that he was really struggling because they were having some financial problems at home and their electricity was going to get cut off and he was really nervous. And so the teacher ended up talking with the parents. They got them, you know, on some kind of program. So that didn't happen. And his, his scores went right back up. But just to show people that, you know, how much stress can do to our function of our brain or dehydration or sleep, you know, there's other things that, you know, how we eat, um, all of those types of things have to be monitored too and get, get, get people thinking a little bit more about um, having a healthy brain and what that looks like. And the other one is called Care to Plan, which is a, uh, uh, a first of its kind. I've not seen anything like this anywhere in the world, but it's a new resource directory that's um, being developed for dementia. And I have it on my, on my site right now. It's just in beta testing, but it's really cool and it's very economical. Be free to the public and it's only like $99 a year for a card after beta testing for people to um, be able to have information listed in this resource directory. Um, and it'll have geo searches and people will be able to save information and share it, you know, with their family or their doctors. And um, it's, it's pretty cool. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, very complicated. It's easy to use, but you know, behind the scenes, they've been working on this. A lot of work. 
for several years. Yeah. And, um, you know, millions of dollars into this thing, but it's going to be, it, it's something that I always wanted as a daughter. I felt like I want to be able to, to search and have good content to go to. And when you go to the internet, it gets really spooky because you don't know if it's, if it's valuable content or if it's a scam out there nowadays with, with certain things. And so they have different uh, content um, players in that might be a a position for you guys to be in too, just to, to be able to place your content that you've already got developed, but just have it in a different route. The other thing that's unique with this is once a company purchases a card to be in the directory, you get the platform that you can put in on your own site And so everybody, you know, they want it in the hospitals because the hospitals and clinics aren't giving their clients information, you know, their patients when they're in there, places to go and just uh, having things more accessible uh, for people. So I'm I'm really excited about that one. Well, connect us so that we can can see whether they're interested in coming uh, to Chicago, but also um, for everybody out there that is listening to this, all of the resources on the ADI website are free to use. Anybody mm-hmm. can use them. So please go and, and distribute them freely. They are in multiple languages when we can. Not, mm-hmm. not always we have the funding to do that, but if we can, we do. Um, and please, you know, uh, any, uh, any platform is usually um, curated for that particular country. So it's got a lot of value. But in general, if people want raw material to work for, Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that we do is free to everyone. Okay, great. Well, I'll I'll try to get a hold of them today and and tell them um, thank you about you guys because I I think uh, it, yeah I think you could be a great content builder for them as well. Now you also have World Alzheimer's Month coming up in September, and you usually release a new World Alzheimer's report. Is that going to be again this year? Yes, never a dull day at ADI. So um, <laughs> let's talk about the World Alzheimer's Report first. So yes, um, this year World Alzheimer's Report is going to be answering some questions around research. And um, in part, uh, first of all, we are changing the format. Uh, it's a British journalist with commission to write the report. She's going to tackle it differently. And the final report is, uh, will be available to a broader audience. So it mm-hmm. will be written in a way that people can really delve into that. So there are a number of questions that the report is trying to address, but two fundamental underlying ones. Mm-hmm. One of them is research. So it's been years and years and years that uh, there's been a lot of research on amyloid, on tau. Is this all there is to it? Is there mm-hmm. other areas that we should be looking at? And these areas, what are they? And also, when we talk about research, once again, we are not just talking about medical research. We're talking about research in care. We're talking about what works in the care sector. Um, Are there any particular things that we should be looking at? Um, Risk reduction, you know, what works? What doesn't work? What are the various trends out there? What is that is emerging? And fundamentally, it will try an answer to the question of what is that we should be looking at next? We've been looking at these over and over and over again. What is the next promising frontier? Is there one? And what can we do in order to get there quicker? Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing that the report is going to look at is um, ADI has been advocating for quite some time about the fact that organizations, uh, sorry, that governments should be devoting 1% of the societal cost of the disease to uh, research, be it, you know, care, mm-hmm. medical, primary, etc. Um, but what exactly does that mean? Mm-hmm. So what should that really encompass? What are the various segments that should get into that research mm-hmm. conundrum? And so by exploring this with a number of researchers, hopefully we will come up to a better, um, better tuned proposition. Mm-hmm. There are a number of things out there which are really interesting. You know, there is um, a number of issues around, for example, participation to clinical trials, even access to clinical trials. Um, who gets access? You know, how does that work? Uh, why are people not taking part? Who can take part? How do you know? Um, how do you know what is what in, in this kind of conundrum? So 
we are going to start looking at that and some of those we won't find answers to because it's going to be difficult but mm -hmm. it will give us points that then we can develop in future so that then we can develop individual streams of investigation with again a view to find practical solution and, uh, to questions that we can then put to the government as a call to action so this is what the report will be about. Okay. Well, wonderful. Well, that's, that is very exciting. And um, as far as World Alzheimer's Month, what would you like our audience to do to get involved with World Alzheimer's yeah. Month? So World Alzheimer's Month is uh, ADI's um, uh, invention, which has been going around for a long, long time. So World Alzheimer's Month is September, and World Alzheimer's Day is the 21st of September. However, many organizations and countries have decided to use other days or other months because technically, culturally, and we don't mind, providing that everybody, at least once a year, consider that month as World Alzheimer's Month and World Alzheimer's Day. Mm -hmm. But September is it. So during this period, we have around 70 organizations took, uh, took part last year, and we're hoping to get even more this year. So we have a website, uh, and this uh, website sits under our website, where people can come for ideas of what, for example, happened in certain countries. Now, some countries do amazing things. For example, in Indonesia, the National Monument of Indonesia, this is the equivalent of getting the White House lit up. Mm -hmm. It gets lit up for the whole month in the color of Alzheimer, which in Indonesia is purple, like in America. And um, that is an amazing thing to see. And it's extraordinary because it raises awareness in, a, in a, an impressive manner. Other countries do other things. Some will do memory walk. Some will organize particular activities in cafe. Some of them will do fundraisers. Some of them will do bake sales. So everybody does something completely different. But there is plenty of ideas to, to choose from. The strap line for this year, World Alzheimer's Month, is going to be around up every three seconds. Mm -hmm. So that all Alzheimer's organizations which are interested in participating can take bits of the video, for example, and play them, the one that we are doing with, with ITV, um, and use that as a way to engage people and perhaps talk about some of the issues at the local level. Um, and we are going to develop a range of materials uh, around this concept of every three seconds. And probably we are going to do a, um, some kind of infographic around risk reduction, very similar to what we did last year around uh, the time warning signs. So we are going to provide this material. This material is all free. Uh, we provide a corporate toolkit that organizations can use if they want to raise money locally for their own organizations from whomever they, they want to approach. And then our material is free to use uh, for everybody. So all the um, collateral uh, can be downloaded by anyone. It will be available on the website. And the, the portion of the website, which is relevant to World Alzheimer's Month, is probably going to go live around probably June to be realistic. Um, once we finish all the webinars with our Alzheimer's Association, there is also material from the previous year, which is available under our website. Um, and anyone can download any of the material from previous year. Last year, the theme was Remember Me. Uh, and so some organization may find that every three seconds is not appropriate. There is a whole archive of things that are available and everybody's welcome to pick up anything that works for them uh, and use it. We don't mind uh, as long as people celebrate uh, us being together. So what does MS Month is about a celebration. It's about reminding ourselves that we are a strong and wonderful movement of people that really care uh, mm -hmm. and to make sure that other people uh, do that too. Wonderful. Well, this has just been a great conversation. We've really learned a lot about what you're, what you're all up to, and it sounds very exciting. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can finagle somehow get into Chicago uh, myself. I would love to be there because I'd love to be able to interview some people too, and and yeah. be able to push that out. I'm still waiting to finalize my my schedule, so we'll see if it if it all works or not. Any last things that you would like to like to tell our audience? Um, yes, I really want to um, make you feel very, very strongly that you are not alone here. There is a lot of people that are working so hard to try and 
make this better. Uh, but at the same time, remember that you're not alone, but you are part of this family. So if you can help us the other way around, please do. Um, don't forget that it makes a difference if you look at the social media, post things on social media, do participate in the debate and do give us feedback. It's only by hearing from people on the ground that we really understand the difficulties. Remember, we are an association of 90 countries. There may be a member near you that you can go to for practical advice and support at local level. We are interested in helping at the global level and we're trying to understand as much as possible the local, but often your local association will be the right port of call. All of them are listed in our website. So if you're hearing this and you happen to be with parents in a country which is not the States, and you're wondering, I wonder if in my country there is something because it would be so nice, do go to the IADI website. It's likely that we will have a country for you. So keep in touch, uh, be interested in what we do. Please help us in any way you can. Um, if you have the opportunity of sponsoring some person to go to Chicago, let us know because many people are out there, especially people with dementia, their family partners and some of our members in lower and middle income country, which would thank you terribly if you could support them coming to Chicago. Oh, wonderful. Um, one last question I should have asked. It, with Alzheimer's Disease International, just to clarify that you cover all dementias, not just Alzheimer's, correct? Yes. So we are a bit uh, stuck with the name because it was a name that was adopted back in the uh, 80s when uh, that was how people uh, identified dementia. Mm -hmm. We cover all of the dementia debates, all 104 discovered types. Um, and we would like to have the time to change the name, but we haven't got the time, we haven't got the resources. We think there are bigger problems at the moment than us doing a rebranding. So, but believe, believe us, we, we cover everything. Well, and I have the same thing with Alzheimer's Speaks too. People are like, you should change your name. And I'm like, well, if people come, they'll know we cover everything. And I do dementia chats, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not worth putting the time and energy into that. When energy for something that ultimately, yes. The needs are so great. And then as soon as you do, they'll probably change the words that they're using again. And <laughs> And then we'll be off and running. Well, Apollo Barbarino, this has just been um, a fascinating conversation. And again, I, I can't thank you enough for being with us. And again, your website is www.alz.co.uk. That's alz.co.uk. And from there, you can get to information on the conference as well. I think there's a, I think I have a link to that is adi2018.org will get you right to the conference information. Again, that's adi2018.org uh, to get directly to the conference. Thank you so much for your time. And we hope to have you back soon and get some updates. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.